The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hey, everyone. From LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. Okay, so you haven't really met Michelle O'Brien officially, but she is basically the reason that you're able to enjoy this show. Michelle is the producer for In the Arena, along with the producer for Get Hired, our other podcast by Andrew Seaman. And it's a pretty intense and important position to hold. She calls a lot of the shots, and she makes every single conversation I have richer. So first of all, say hi, Michelle. Hi, Leah. I love it. So I am so excited to have her here today. And you are going to meet Michelle in a really intimate way pretty quickly, which is, as you know by now, how I like to do things. I skip the small talk most of the time. So Michelle is going to be my coachee today. And we're going to be talking about how to create more fulfillment in her life, and hopefully in yours as well, through a deceptively simple tool. So first, what is fulfillment? I felt for a long time like fulfillment was a super elusive term. I didn't get it. And I equated it to things like happiness or always feeling good. I assume people who were fulfilled were just running around the world happy somehow. And what I've learned is fulfillment is very different. And I like this description that hopefully helps you get a sense of what it is. This description says that fulfillment is being fully alive. It's living each day with intention and in step with who you are, along with your personal values. So you know when you're experiencing fulfillment because you feel whole, you feel right, and generally at peace. Even when things are not easy, you have these feelings. And the reason I think it's important is first, we've got to be able to pinpoint it to understand what we're looking for, what we're trying to create every day. I also love thinking about fulfillment as something that you do or accomplish on a regular or daily basis. So it's not like a point to be reached after which all will be fulfilling. It's actually a way of showing up every day to create fulfillment on a regular basis. So you actually have to put something in to get that out. And the other reason I like to talk about it is that oftentimes we put our fulfillment or the possibility of it into external things. So, for example, a lot of my coaching clients come to me and they want to talk about career. They need to make a change, whether it's large or small, and they expect that that change is going to make their life better. And what we find is something a bit different. What we find is that there is a much larger proverbial pie and that every single slice of that pie matters. So today, I'm going to have you listen, and of course, you can follow along if you'd like to, as Michelle and I go through the Wheel of Life and some questions that you can ask yourself to get closer to fulfillment. All right, are you ready, Michelle? I'm so ready, Leah. Okay. Michelle doesn't even know what's coming fully, Mm -mm. so we haven't (laughs) prepped any of this, which makes it even better. I am all about the raw, authentic conversations. So... What we're going to do is we're going to start with this Wheel of Life, which Michelle has in front of her. You can find it in the show notes or on my profile. And if you can't get to that right now, basically, it's a circle with eight sections. We're going to go through all the sections so you'll hear them as we walk through. So, Michelle, Mm -hmm. here's what I'd love for you to do. If you can grab a pen and paper, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have you draw the Wheel of Life, actually. So uh, if you can draw a big circle... 
and then section it off into eight sections. All right. And then in each of the sections, I'll tell you what to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll write it just on the outside of that section on the circle. So the first is career. Career. And then fun and recreation. Fun and recreation. Health. Health. Family and friends. Romance. Personal growth. Finances. And then finally, physical environment. And then, uh, Michelle, what I'm going to have you do is... I want you to just take a minute, and in each of the sections, I want you to write down from a scale of 0 to 10 how fulfilled or satisfied you are in each of these areas today. Hmm. So 0 to 10. And before I have you do that, um, I want to just call out that with all of these eight sections, not all of us want to get to a 10, right? Like lots of us are kind of conditioned to think that, oh, I'm supposed to be at a 10 in every section and then I'll be fulfilled. That is not necessarily the case. So when it comes to fun and recreation, I don't need to be at a 10. I actually find that I'm happiest or I'm okay at an eight, right? Hmm. So we're going to start with where you are today. And then I've kind of given you the tee up that we're going to move to where you want to go. So go ahead and rate each of those. All right. And for those of you listening, what I love about this is it's something you can do, you know, more than once a year. I normally do it twice a year, and it's something I keep to myself. So it can be a totally private experience of going through this process and then using the information you have about yourself to make shifts that you want to make in your life. So you're going to hear how I work with Michelle in this specific instance, but we can shift it in multiple ways um, to be able to help you get where you want to go. All right. You good? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, maybe not good, but you're you're done. I'm ready. <laughs> you're ready. Okay. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Okay. Uh, based on each of these areas, write down what the number would be that would make you feel most satisfied or fulfilled in each of those sections. Mm. So, for example, if you're at a four in career, which hopefully you're not, because we're sitting here, <laughs> um, you can then say, "Hey, a six would get me where I want to go." Whatever that number is, you write it down. Okay. Cool. Okay. So. Two things, and I'm going to have you pick one area, but the um, the question I'll ask you to pick that area is, number one, it has to be an area that you're comfortable being coached on. Mm-hmm. And then second, uh, once you've kind of whittled that down, I want to know which area you believe that if improved to that number that you want would improve potentially all the rest of the areas. Mm. So what would have the most impact? So here's a question. I think the thing that I need most is balance. Mm. Where does that fall in? Hmm. That could be health. In some areas, they title it health and wellness. Like I think of it as like emotional, physical, and like spiritual health. Okay, cool. In that case, let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Michelle, you chose health. Mm -hmm. I did. Love it. Tell me what number you're at today and tell me where you want to go. So I feel like right now I'm at a six. Okay. And I would like to be at a nine. Okay, great. So let's just take a second here, and I want you to paint me the picture of what a nine in health looks like for you. So for me, a nine in health, particularly with the lens of not just physical health, but also emotional health, mental health, health to me looks like I am in control of my time. I feel like there are no more demands on my time than I have the bandwidth to give. It means that I have, like, I'm moving my body. Mm -hmm. I'm eating well. I am nourishing myself, and part of that for me is making sure that I'm allowing some time to just space out Mm -hmm. and having time to just, like, be a person without being all of my titles. Mm. Without being all of your titles. 
Yeah. Okay. So for you, a nine in health is the ability to basically own your time, what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. And and what you do with your time when it comes to health is, you said eating well, exercise. Eating well, exercising, having time for therapy, having time to like fill my cup with friends and artistic endeavors and a fulfilling career. Like it's, it's sort of the like how balanced I am with everything else. Mm. So so paint for me the day. Like you wake up in the morning and what happens when you're at a nine in health? Oh, great. All right. I'm at a nine in health. I wake up in the morning, probably on the early side, which is shocking for me. I never used to be an early morning person, but I'm I'm learning. You're converting. <laughs> I'm converting. Um, I have some time to like make my coffee, listen to a podcast, get my brain woken up. Um, probably go for a walk. There's a park mm. near me where they have off-leash hours for dogs before 9 a.m. Mm. So walk, get a coffee, watch the dogs, be outside in the world, come home, and then attack whatever the first project is that is on my plate. So I'm a person who has many different creative interests in addition to my work, but so maybe it's like a meeting for a musical I'm directing, or maybe it's like writing a couple of pages of a new project. Maybe it's jumping into a podcast edit in the morning. Um, attacking something first right up top, um, probably having a meeting or a lunch with somebody to get out of the house to, like, interact with someone socially, um, come back, plow through a to-do list. I find that so satisfying. Wrap up six or seven, make some dinner for myself with a friend, maybe go for a run or do some yoga or go to a class, uh, come home and then spend time with a friend. Love it. Yeah, or my partner. So first of all, I saw your eyes light up when you mentioned the dog park, which we've mm-hmm. laughed about because you don't have a dog, but you like to go watch dogs at off-leash yes, dog I hours. cannot be trusted to take <laughs> care of another living creature right now, but I do love watching their dumb, cute faces. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so so you're waking up in the morning, and actually, you I want to point out, too, you said friend or something social multiple times. Mm-hmm. So for you, you know, mental health or health in general also means interactions. Yeah. Right? Which 100%. for most of us, it, it does. So tell me first, like, what did it feel like to describe that? Oh, man, it was bittersweet because it's both something that I love a lot, like organizing my day like that. And it's also something that I haven't had access to in a while because I changed jobs recently. I'm here at LinkedIn, which is a wonderful gift, but it also has changed. I was a freelancer for 10 years before this. So it's changed sort of my relationship to my work hours. And so for me, it's like both exciting to get to imagine, like, what happens if I'm in charge of my time? And also a little bit of like, ooh, I can't get there right now, or I'm not sure how to get there right now. So tell me, uh, so you've described getting to a nine, and you then automatically went back to like, oh, I don't have it. Yeah. So so tell me what's happening now instead. So um, I have a wonderful job that I love many aspects of, but for the first time in about a decade, I am in front of my computer eight hours a day, five mm-hmm. days a week, rather than at large with a with a hit list of things to do and doing probably about 40 hours or more of work, but just on a different pace. And so I think that's the biggest change. I know that there's a path through to figure it out and achieve balance. Just haven't figured it out yet. You said different pace. Mm. What's changed? So I am a person who... Um, previous jobs, everything has been sort of like I have my like three or four meetings, sometimes six or seven meetings in a day, and then I cram work in in the cracks, Mm -hmm. right? But like aside from the meetings, no one's expecting me to be online. Mm -hmm. 
And so I could, you know, say, oh, this afternoon, I don't have any meetings. I'm going to go walk in the park. I'll get this done late tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was able to set my own pace, I think, is the difference. Mm, Got it. And you're also in a new role. So you're getting accustomed to the idea of like how you set boundaries. It sounds like to and when and Mm -hmm. all that. Okay. Yeah. So if there was a scientist from (laughs) another planet (laughs) that showed up here and was like, I'm going to track Michelle Mm -hmm. for two weeks. What would they see is more important to you than health, which is the area you picked? Mm. Work. Okay. So they would say Michelle values her work most. Mm -hmm. And how would they know that? It is 90% of what I do during waking hours these days. Mm. And if you said to them, like, hey, so you're watching me and you've tracked me for two weeks and now you're telling me that work is the most important thing, but I say health is Mm -hmm. really important, what suggestion do you think they might have for you? Mm. Probably, like, do one thing every day that's prioritizing health. And what would that look like? like is, it, is it like you're going for a run every day or is it like going to the dog park and watching dogs <laughs> makes you feel like you're you're mentally healthier? Like, what is it? I think it's probably like making sure that, you know, however many days a week, three, four, I'm building in time to move my body mm-hmm. and that I am probably another three or four days a week. I'm building in time to cook mm. and to like feed myself and not just like a that haphazard way we all do when we're working or tied to our computers where it's like, oh, I'll order this thing or like, oh, can of tuna. Great. Mm. So, OK, so you've now just narrowed down to cooking and to exercise. So those two things sound like they're important to you. Yes. OK, so talk to me first about cooking. Mm. Like what is important about that for you? So when I first graduated from college, moved to my own place, uh, was becoming an adult, cooking and like learning how to cook in a way that felt true to me and felt true to the kinds of things that I like to eat was a fun adventure. Like I had a CSA. I would get like a grab bag of random produce every two weeks and I'd say like, okay, well, what do I do with kohlrabi? How do I cook eggplant in a new and interesting way? So it was like a learning experience. And I got to eat fresh, local, tasty, delicious things. For me, cooking is also a way that I show love. I think we've talked about this before the pandemic. Um, I had a cookbook club with a bunch of friends, and we'd like do potlucks every six weeks, each cooking a recipe out of the same cookbook, and just sit down and share a meal together. And when lockdowns happened, it sort of felt like I had that limb cut off and that way that I express care and love for people had to go away because we weren't sharing space and we certainly weren't sharing food. Mm -hmm. And talk to me about moving your body. Yeah, I am a very um, I'm a very cerebral person. I live a lot uh, up here in my brain and I find that moving my body like. I played sports in college. Um, I've never been a naturally athletic person, but like when I move my body, my mental health is better. Mm. I feel better. I have a more positive outlook. I feel accomplished. It just like is a thing that every time I do it, I'm glad I did it. And it is the first thing to go when I feel mm. like I'm busy. Yeah. That and cooking. Those are the things that like I, I find it very easy to show up for other people. I find it very difficult to show up for myself in that way mm. on a regular basis when there's more pressing things. What stops you? The to-do list. The endless like, oh, I told someone I'd do this or like, oh, I I have tickets to this thing or just like endless admin and or things that I've said I'd show up for for other people. Hmm. 
So so if we which one would you pick if if you were to be able to make progress between cooking and moving your body what what would be most valuable for you right cooking, now Cooking I think Cooking okay yeah. Um so talk to me about what it would take to cook more and what more would look like Um so I think first of all it would take menu planning and grocery shopping and like mm-hmm. building in time for that mm-hmm. Um because that's often difficult to do or like the hours that I have that are free are not the hours that the grocery store is open. Mm. Um, and I also think like having mental bandwidth to think about what I want to cook or to be like mm. looking at recipe blogs the way I used to for inspiration. What would that look like? Would that be like Sunday, like you're sitting down for 10 minutes and looking at a blog and making a choice? Like what? what is that? I think it may be like Throughout the week, making sure that I'm open to inspiration. Mm-hmm. So like when I am doing my mindless scrolling, maybe it's I'm scrolling through a blog or hmm. a food person's feed instead of, you know, endless Twitter rotting my brain mm. <laughs> um, and like writing down the things that look good so that on Sunday when I'm when I have the bandwidth to say, OK, great, I'm shopping, I'm cooking. I actually remember the things mm. that I had been inspired by. Yeah, I'm like imagining you on Instagram just like highlighting or starring, like making a, a little folder that's like food I want to try or yeah. food I want to cook and just starring that on the train. Yeah, that feels very easy. Feels really easy. And then Sunday you'd be planning out your meals. Mm-hmm. Would you be grocery shopping? Yeah, grocery shopping and like meal prepping and planning out which day in the week is a cooking night, I mm-hmm. think is also a helpful thing. How important is this to you? So it used to be a thing that I did because it was cheaper, because I had the time and the bandwidth, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I, six months ago, I would not have necessarily said it's super important to me. Mm-hmm. But now, having felt the lack of it for the past few months, it's really important to me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what the experience is like of, you said bittersweet, but to know it's important and to not be doing it. Yeah, I think bittersweet is definitely uh, the right word. I also just feel like I'm a person who um, tends to beat myself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So As we all do. <laughs> right. So some of the experiences like, oh, like you should be able to do this. Mm. Why aren't you doing it? Not necessarily that I'm talking to myself and like blaming myself for being lazy or whatever, but it's just sort of like, oh, no, this thing that you mm. like, it's falling to the bottom of your to-do list again. It's mm. falling to the bottom of the pile again. Like that's yeah. on you. Well, and I, I know that sometimes when we have a thing that's important to us that we aren't doing and then it falls to the bottom of the pile, it gets harder and harder to look at it yeah, and to like observe it and to try to change it because it's like you don't want to try to pick it up and then lose it again or let yourself down again. Totally. And I feel like I'm running on empty is I think the best mm-hmm. way to explain it is like I used to be like I know when, you know, Smitten Kitchen dropped a new recipe mm-hmm. or I know when there's a cool new like cake recipe making the rounds mm-hmm. and I just feel so out of touch with that. So like even when I have time to cook, I am like dry on inspiration. Mm. So when you balance, uh, we're talking about, you know, being at, you said you're at a six Mm -hmm. and getting to a nine. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about you cooking four days a week starting next week, right? (laughs) Right. That is is a recipe for disaster for for everybody involved. (laughs) Um, But we are talking about what a next step would look like. So I'm curious, if a scientist were to track you, the same scientist came back and said, I'm going to track Michelle as she tries to get to a nine. Mm -hmm. The goal is that maybe she's at a nine in a year. Mm -hmm. What does next month look like? I think next month looks like 
I make that folder or whatever on my Instagram for saving that inspiration. That's like next week. Does that feel easy? Yeah, that feels easy and doable and like action oriented. Um, And then I think it's like calendaring in that Sunday time to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would stop you from doing those two things? Oh, man, life. (laughs) (laughs) I think not much is stopping me except for forgetting uh, for the the first one, the like making a folder, the actually doing it, the thing that's stopping me is, you know, sometimes you have like a brunch on this day mm-hmm. or a family obligation or you're traveling and then all of a sudden all of your best laid plans fall apart. Fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this a little bit differently. So let's just say it's a year from now and the scientist comes back and goes, Michelle's at a six still. Mm. What's the cost of that to you? Oh, that's a year of my life. That's a valuable year. Every year is valuable. Yeah, that's a year knowing what I need and not giving it to myself. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, And for anyone listening, like, you could see Michelle's face totally scrunch (laughs) up when she said that, which means, like, this is important to her. So I'm kind of pressure testing because I I hear it's important, but I want to make sure that it's important. Yeah. So tell me, Michelle, it's a year from now the scientist comes back and goes... She kicked butt. Like, Mm -hmm. she did this, and she got to a nine. What have you started saying yes to more, and what have you begun saying no to in order to get there? Mm, Great question. I think saying yes to boundaries, which is a weird way of phrasing it, but I think saying yes to, like, myself and prioritizing the things that I need to make myself happy and to achieve that mental health and deprioritizing some of the things that, like, other people ask me to do, someone else could do that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you recognize when you need a boundary? Usually for me, I recognize it when someone's overstepped it and I'm like, oh, no, I'm <laughs> upset. <laughs> You're upset. Yeah. Are yeah. you resentful? That is my, always oh, my trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to like be aware of the trigger signs earlier so that I can get ahead of them and not build up the simmering resentment. But that's something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different coaching. Yeah, that's a different coaching. Um, no, so yeah, so usually I feel like I know that I need a boundary when I start to feel put upon. Mm. And do you know what feeling put upon is like in your head, in your body? Like how do you, do you get tight chested or like yeah, what's the thing? It's like, it's like tight chested and it feels like I want to scream. Mm. So you know that feeling pretty well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what you'll say yes to then essentially is putting up more boundaries in order to get where you want to go. Okay. And how, what's the best way for you to stay accountable to this thing you say you want? I probably need an accountability partner. Cool. Yeah. And who is the best person for that? Probably my partner, Luke. Love it. Yep. Okay. And so what would you need Luke to do? Ooh. So here's a question for you. Sure. My first instinct is I'd need him to say like, okay, I'll give him my list of goals every week. Please, like, check in midweek, make sure that I'm doing them. Mm. However, (laughs) I do know that there's the tendency to be like, okay, I've set this list of goals. You're reminding me I'm still not doing them, and I don't feel like I have the capacity to do them. Now it feels like nagging. And now I'm mad at you. Yeah. Yeah, Like, how do you you navigate that? (laughs) I would say let's start with what feels easiest, what feels most doable, and what's not going to create the experience of adding even more to your already stacked plate. Yeah. I think I'm a big calendar person. Luke is a big calendar person. Mm. I think taking that time on Sunday to be like, all right, great. Michelle, what days this week are you cooking? Mm. What are we eating? Cool. When can we cook together? Making it a group activity, making it communal. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that would help. 
I love that. So you're making it a, an experience mm-hmm. versus just a checklist thing that has to get done. Yeah, because then I'll enjoy it more. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like exactly. you want to get to a nine. So um, how much time do you and Luke need together to get something like this rolling? Um, Like a half an hour. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's easy. Yeah. So you could just say, great, I need 30 minutes. Let's just talk about it. And then yeah. we go. Cool. That's that. Oh, my God. Leah, I have so many ideas. I'm so excited. I'm, like, fired up. I'm ready to do it. I'm, I'm so cook. excited. Not every day. I'm no, cook. we're not cooking every not day. Not cooking every day. It's unrealistic. It's <laughs> an unrealistic goal. But nope. we're going to cook more. We're going to cook more. And that's important. And well, actually, let's define more. What yeah. is that? Do you want to cook once a week now? I'd like to cook once or twice a week. Okay. Let's go with one. Let's go with one. So that's actually really important is that you start very small. Like, it has to feel almost so easy that you can't not yeah right okay versus like so much that then you're stressed and then we're in a place where it goes from a six to a four because you've gotten stressed and you've let it fall so we want it to go up which is counterintuitive that we start incredibly small okay okay cool um i want to hear one thing that was valuable for you uh and one thing you learned yeah the the super valuable thing was thinking about it from that like scientist from somewhere else like what would someone else looking at this say Mm -hmm. and also the like in a year if there's no change what would i lose yeah that's that like hit me in my gut mhm yeah and what did you learn about about yourself or about what you want it's funny it's it's like i'm having i don't know if you can hear this on the mic but i'm having a physical experience of it being like i'm getting a little choked up mm-hmm. like i'm getting more emotional than i expected to talking about something that like i enjoy mm-hmm. um and i think part of that is i learned that this is more important to me than i thought it matters. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I love that. That's like the <laughs> pressure test, right? Yeah. Like a lot of times we say something and we're like, uh, it's important, but like it's not really that important, right? right? Yeah. So we're easy. It's quick to drop, but this mm-hmm. is important to you. Well, okay. Amazing. I want to acknowledge you for just being open to <laughs> doing this. This was totally unscripted and like... We tried it, and and it. now you're gonna cook once a week. I am, and I'm gonna send you pictures. <laughs> I can't wait, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna come over and eat it at yes. some point. Oh my gosh, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Leah. Were you surprised at all by anything in this coaching? <laughs> I won't say I was surprised, um, but I was curious at first if we should shift from health to career, but. Um, as a coach, I I have to trust the direction that mm. the coachee is going. And and I trusted it, and we got where we needed to go. I'll say um, one of the most valuable things about coaching is we weren't talking about how hard it is that now you have things on your plate and you're busy and it's so upsetting and what do you do? We were talking about the thing you wanted. Yeah. And like that's such a different, it's the difference between like a carrot and a stick, right? So like <laughs> yeah. that was the carrot, like Michelle wants to cook more and that matters to her. And so you came alive, you come alive and you feel emotion when it's about what you really want. And that's what magnetizes you. So that was a little bit of a moment of like, what do we do? Yeah. And we ended up in the right place. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Is there general guidance for like going from like a two to an eight versus like a seven to an eight? What's the timeline we should be looking at? What kinds of care do we need to be taking based on those different discrepancies? So uh, as you probably know, I'm a huge fan of whatever matters most to you matters most to you. And everyone's timeline is different. Mm -hmm. My advice would be if you're at, you know, a two, for example, in an area like physical environment and you want to be at a nine, 
treat yourself with the same care and compassion you would treat someone else, a close friend, who told you that same thing. Mm. So if your close friend called you and said, I hate where I live, and tomorrow I want to love where I live so much, you'd probably say to them, like, hold up a second. Let's take a moment figure out what you need, and let's figure out how you get there. So it doesn't mean that it can't change in a week, right? Um, What I've found is there are times where you have an area of your life, one of these areas on the wheel that you are not satisfied with, and um, the most powerful thing can be that nothing externally changes and you change. And so that's kind of where some of the mastery comes from, too, is like, Could it be possible that the physical environment that you hate today could go from a two to a five in a few months because you've chosen to be different about it? And that's discernment, right? Like you can't sometimes your job is toxic and terrible and you should leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But other times there are things you're choosing to see and not see. And so that's where I'd say handle yourself with care, um, work through the questions and get a coach or work with a close friend that is willing to listen to you and help you through it. Um, All right. So for everybody listening, that is that. That's the wheel of life. You may not have a coach. And so part of the reason I want to share this tool with you is you can do this by yourself. And I would highly recommend doing this at least once a year, if not twice. Um, It has been uh, so eye-opening for me as as a person who is a coach. I say every coach needs a coach. So just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I don't need (laughs) this. Uh, And I use it. And so you can do that. And you can also um, ask yourself some reflective questions. Michelle and I went a little bit longer because this was a real coaching. And to me, it was important to honor the value of her getting coached in this moment. But you can ask some really simple what and how questions to get yourself to a place where you understand more about what you want and need. And so, first of all, the reason we do this multiple times a year is because your environment changes and so do your needs, right? Life changes. So in Michelle's example, her work changed. She's done something that in a decade has not happened for her. And now she's trying to figure out how to kind of recoup the things that became important to her throughout this decade that maybe have shifted, right? And the idea is, even though these external things have shifted, you can still empower yourself instead of giving away your power to others, whether it be, you know, friends, family, partners, a company. And when it comes to your fulfillment, there is nothing better than empowering yourself to do what you need to do. Because what happens is when you become more fulfilled, you become better for every single person in your life, including you. So if you need this tool, again, you can find it in our show notes on my profile, along with questions you can ask yourself to get where you want to go. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, my pleasure. Such a good volunteer. If today's episode resonated with you, leave us a rating before you go. And even more helpful, write a quick review. It helps other listeners like you find this show and grow with our community. You can always find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential. I would love to hear from you, so send me a message. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien, who was also our guest today. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Ediando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is the head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn, and I'm Leah Smart. Thank you so much for coming on the journey with me, and I will see you next week.